Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. This weekly podcast is led by me, Anne Hambly, and we cover inside information in commercial real estate. Um, today, I'm very uh, proud and pleased to have Sharag Shaw on as my guest. Um, Sharag is the Senior Vice President in Charge of Federal Affairs and Policy Council at AHLA. Uh, many of you probably know Sharag in our industry as it is. Um, Sharag, you want to give any other introduction to yourself or should we jump right into the conversation? No, I appreciate it, Ann. Thank you so much for having me and uh, the opportunity to join your audience here. Looking forward to the discussion. Great, great. Well, I thought we could talk a little bit as a starting point about this uh, great report that you sent me a copy of recently that I know AHLA did in tandem with Accenture and it's titled The Year of the New Traveler. And I was most intrigued by a few points in here. And I thought maybe you could give uh, the listeners here a quick recap of, you know, it's a long report, but some highlights of the report. And what do you mean by the new traveler? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so we're, we're very excited. Uh, uh, HLA partnered with Accenture to bring our 2022 State of the Industry report and we did so by uh, looking at information from uh, 2021 and aggregating data, projecting it out towards uh, the rest of this year and, and taking in a number of factors into consideration as well. And uh, we're very optimistic for what 2022 looks like. I'm sure that uh, for your listeners, uh, they've been doing their forecasting for a number of months and, and uh, taking into consideration a number of the, the economic factors in particular. Uh, but we see positive trends for occupancy first and foremost. We're gonna be reaching pretty close to occupancy rates of 2019. Uh, and so that's a, it's a very positive trend uh, that we're seeing. We're, uh, I'm sure everyone's been reading the articles and probably experiencing firsthand the uh, this idea of revenge travel where uh, folks want to get out and uh, they want to uh, see the country. There's still some challenges that remain with international travel and whether that's uh, international inbound travel, there's there's still restrictions coming in from overseas or there there just isn't yet the, the same demand that we had seen previously. Uh, and there's still some restrictions going uh, from, from Americans traveling elsewhere uh, because there are a number of whether it's restrictions or just uh, inconvenient measures that folks need to take. So they're uh, continuing to travel domestically and that's positive for occupancy rates. And so we're, uh, we're happy about that, but hopefully once more international travelers come to the United States, that'll be even better for the industry. A couple of areas that uh, challenges remain business travel, uh, is expected to be down about 20% relative to 2019. And, uh, we know that, uh, there's a, a new type of uh, focus on, on when and how people travel, whether those, uh, um, uh, day trips that folks will take uh, from cross country for a meeting or two, uh, those will probably happen less frequently, uh, just as we're, we're doing here over uh, over the internet, we're able to, to have a meeting. And so uh, some of those may take uh, a lesser priority, uh, but we're also seeing that overall quantity uh, of meetings uh, and business related events are, are gonna take a backseat as well, about uh, less than 60% of uh, meetings and events are scheduled to return for this year. So there's still some challenges to remain and we, we are optimistic that we're able to overcome those. As far as the new traveler, the profile of the, the traveler uh, that we're expecting, it's uh, a younger traveler is they're starting to understand that you can do a lot of the work that you'd done previously remotely uh, they're finding new ways to engage in business travel. And, and part of that is blending uh, both business and leisure travel together. So if you're going someplace for a meeting uh, or a few meetings, you're tacking on a, a day or a few extra days uh, to that destination for leisure and you're getting a, a leisure trip out of it. And so uh, we, we know that the 
the optimism and enthusiasm for travelers, almost 90% of travelers want to add a, a private holiday to their business trip over the next uh, 12 months. And so uh, they're able to continue to work, but uh, they're, they're also uh, able to, to stay. At, they're, they're looking at this as a, a new business trip. And so that's kind of the profile of what uh, we're expecting in 2022. Well, I, I learned two new words so far. So, bleasure, that I had not heard that, and the revenge yeah. travel. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, I bet that affects mostly the, um, oh, you know, the, the people that are taking a vacation or, or, you know, just wanting to get away. It's not as much for business, I assume, right? It's more of the leisure segment that, that's got it's, the revenge yeah. color. Yeah, it's, it's a little of both. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're seeing it, and, and it's kind of you're mixing the two. And you know, if you're going to a desirable destination for a uh, for a business trip, uh, the the idea that you can add a few days to yeah. it is is significant. It's it's interesting. I was actually speaking to uh, uh, a group um, association of lodging professionals just uh, last week, and they they're uh, basically the association for innkeepers, beds and breakfasts, and uh, they were saying that their business has gone through the roof throughout the pandemic because folks are just looking to get away. And yeah. so you, you got to see uh, sort of an interesting, you know, while while on the one hand, you've got urban markets where you've got traditional uh, conventions and meetings that was uh, depressed over the last uh, year and a half plus, you've got another segment of the industry that has uh, really attracted a new set of customers. So it's right. uh, it's an interesting sort of dynamic that that's up yeah. within our industry. Interesting that you mentioned the younger travelers, too, because I, I, I hadn't thought about it until just talking to you right here. But, you know, my generation, when I grew up, when we met people for business, you had to, there was nothing that took the place of meeting someone in person. And we would fly. I remember times where you'd spend the more of the time on the plane than you would at the client's office, but it was worth going there and meeting. Whereas, and we're still, I think in that generation are missing the, 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 the direct contact, but the, the younger generation growing up in our industry would think nothing of being on the phone and doing a zoom call. And it would be just as appropriate and just as effective as you know, meeting someone in person. So I imagine that will have an impact on our, on the travel industry for a while. It'll be interesting to see how the next generation of young people, you know, uh, meet people, right? <laughs> um, you're also in charge, yeah, I think we I, heard, I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please. That, I think you're spot on in that analysis. Absolutely. And, and to this point about doing things over the internet via Zoom or whatever, there's always a one second delay. So it seems like you're always cutting someone off, right? Um, you're, you're in charge of government affairs, I think, with AHLA also, right? Yeah, I, I lead the federal efforts. So we've got a, a great team that uh, focuses on all of government affairs from our uh, practice at a state and local level. We've got a team there as well as uh, a regulatory side on the federal work as well as a federal legislative work. So I'm part of that team. So I know that I can't ask you to give away anything that is, you know, top secret or anything, but but what give us some insight into what you know that the federal government might be focusing on or planning to do relative to our industry in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh it it's very exciting in in the work that I get to do is we get to tell the story of the lodging sector of hotels and hospitality, uh our our industry, our workforce. Uh, the economic impact uh, from every congressional district across the country uh, and share that story with members of Congress every single day. And what, what makes that sort of interesting is that uh, members of Congress don't necessarily at the onset fully appreciate the footprint until they start to actually thinking about uh, what hotels mean to their district, what it means for uh, jobs, uh, job creation uh, and economic output taxes, 
uh, both at a federal level as well as a state level. And so uh, we've really been able to highlight that story over the last two years, unfortunately, because we've been the tip of the spear of the pandemic. And when travel uh, receded, uh, of course, our industry was was hit hardest and folks were able to see uh, just how impactful our industry was. Um, and as we're moving into this year, our, our goals have shifted a little bit. Uh, over the last uh, 18 months or so, it, has, it had been exclusively laser focused on relief. And now we're pivoting into a position of recovery. And uh, the, the economy overall is recovering. And you're, we're, we're seeing, uh, as the report mentioned, very strong trends in that uh, direction. Uh, but the government is is looking at things in a, in a very interesting way. Uh, first and foremost, we're, we're still trying to come out of, uh, of the relief space. And we've seen that uh, there are some historically large government spending packages that took place uh, over the last two years. Uh, there's been some appetite, some discussion as to whether we're going to continue to see uh, trillions of dollars worth of government spending going out the door. How do you pay for it then? Are you taking from previous programs? Are you uh, bringing in new revenue to the government? Uh, or are you doing so as sort of an, uh, uh, not fully paid for as it was in, in the case of certain previous uh, packages that, that came through. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the implications of some of that spending here in a few minutes, but government spending is one of the, the top priorities that we're looking at, uh, not only as far as uh, direct relief to hotels, but also what are the implications for the economy uh, writ large. Um, for our industry, we're looking particularly at a package uh, that, that may come together here for hardest hit industries. And we have a bill uh, that HLA has been instrumental in bringing forth called the Safe Hotel Jobs Act, uh, which is uh, focused uh, predominantly on relief for hotel workers. We know that a critical worker uh, shortage is uh, top of mind for hoteliers across the country, not only for uh, the implications of the direct workforce itself, but also how uh, the hotels are able to reach full occupancy. Uh, we, we've, of course, been hearing the stories of folks that uh, have had to close rooms or, or shut off entire floors over the last several months uh, because they just don't have enough staff. And so this uh, this desire to help uh, facilitate that is is significant for us. Um, and so we're, we're working uh, with uh, members on the Senate uh, in, a, in a hopefully bipartisan fashion here to, uh, to see if there's a, an opportunity for hotels to be included in a potential relief bill. But again, it's more spending and there, there are consequences that come to that. And I know we'll talk about that here in a, in a minute or two. Uh, tax credits uh, for hotels. Um, uh, tax credits are, are very important to our, our industry, uh, particularly on the employment side. The employee retention tax credit is a, uh, a critical a tool that a lot of hoteliers were able to, to use to bring back their workforce. And we're looking for uh, bringing back, um, uh, reinstituting that retroactively for the fourth quarter of last year. Uh, and then, of course, we have our labor issues that I just mentioned. And I know we're going to be talking about inflation uh, here in just a few minutes. Right. So, um, you know, inflation is a, is a, a huge challenge for our industry. Um, and we have a number of different uh, sides of that discussion. So uh, I'll pause there uh, for a moment or two, because I know you have a, a few thoughts on uh, what that might mean for our industry. Well, yeah. And I was just going to say, as you talk about all of the, you know, different um, ways the government has tried to help, you know, hospitality owners and the whole industry, it's always been, uh, it's been very, very helpful and it's always been discouraging. I know you and I have talked about this a lot over the past few, few years that some of it can't be applied to CMBS debt. You know, that's, that's a... Uh, that's actually a sad thing, but I'm glad that we spent efforts and time to try to see how we could make that work over the past few years. I imagine one of the ways uh, that 
uh, all of this gets covered is in the increase in interest rates. But let's talk about, you know, I think one of the things I'd love to hear about, hear about from you, you probably have more insight here than anywhere else I've ever uh, gone. I know we all hear that interest rates are going to go up. Obviously, they can't go down. <laughs> but tell us more about what you know as far as when, yeah. and, you know, how yeah. much and what date. Do you know all that? <laughs> no, but tell us what you know about interest rate uh, movement. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think- yeah, I, I think it's an open question. You know, for, I guess before we, we get fully into there, I, talking about the implications of inflation broadly and, and why we would get to that point, you know, it's a it's a question that is on the top of uh, policymakers' minds uh, across the board. What is it doing to your industry? And we're seeing it on on two uh, at least two different levels, probably three different levels when you think about it. Uh, first and foremost, um, uh, for us is on. Uh, uh, I guess you've got a rate side of things, both in terms of the consumer facing rate side of things, uh, looking at about a 24% increase that we've seen. Uh, but we've also heard that a lot of folks aren't necessarily or, or didn't drop rate over the last year. So that's that's certainly one side of the equation. Uh, another implication is the supply chain issues uh, that we've seen across the board in terms of um, availability of products, but then also cost of those products. Uh, and, and then on the labor side. So those are at least three different areas where we're the only industry that has had sustained uh, um, increases in uh, wages over the last um, uh, year plus, uh, now moving into 2022. So uh, the the implications of inflation are significant, but particularly for this audience, the, the cost of borrowing going up is going to uh, really have implications for what ends up happening um, uh, specifically towards uh, the ability to, uh, to finance a, a, a new build, for instance, uh, development, uh, construction loans, of course, labor. So there are a number of impacts, and and uh, what does the the higher borrowing cost ultimately do? Um, we're we're seeing even just yesterday that uh, uh, the Fed may increase rates as, as soon as March of next uh, or of this year, so next month. Uh, and what will uh, the of this year? Yeah, and we're expecting uh, probably a few different rate hikes uh, over the next uh, several months, uh, just depending on on what the impacts are. Uh, there seems to be an appetite for that. There's a, a question as to how quickly they move and and how much they do. I think that remains an open question. Um, uh, and what will that mean for our industry as far as uh, will folks try to um, uh, try to participate or, or uh, try to get ahead of the increases? Um, there's there's an open question there. One of the areas in particular that we're hearing is concerns about uh, refinancing and whether uh, there will have a, a, a negative implications on refinancing uh, as well as the availability of capital. Yeah, boy, that's always going to be. And I I think about too, um, even with the refinancing. Think about this. So if somebody's issuing a new ten year fixed rate loan in twenty twenty two, right? You have to you have to also underwrite how you're going to get paid off in 2032. Right? I mean, that's a, that's a long time away. There's a lot right. of things that could happen. You know, it's, right. I don't know how that's done today with all the variables we were just talking about. And boy, there's so many other things that are happening around us that, you know, we didn't even talk about today that would take too long to cover here. But listen, I really appreciate your insights, Shirag. Um, You're always great to work with. Uh, your information is invaluable and, I'm just really disappointed you didn't have the exact interest rate hike and the date it was going to happen. But other than that, I've really enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed having you on the podcast. <laughs> uh, no, appreciate it, Anthony, very much uh, for the opportunity. Great, no, my pleasure. And if anybody wants to read your report, I assume it's a it's a, it's a published one, right? Is it okay to share? 
Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Yep. They can find it on yep. uh, HLA.com, but uh, by all means, please feel free to send Perfect. it to anybody. We, we welcome that. So. Perfect. Well, everybody go to AHLA.com and, and get your copy. It is actually really good. So thanks again, Shirag. Have a great rest of your day. I appreciate you being on the podcast today.